Welcome to a special edition of the BioCentury This Week podcast. Today we take a deep dive into anti-China biotech policy in Washington. Anti-China biotech bills are raising alarms at U.S. biotechs, with CEOs worried they could lose access to CDMOs, WuxiAptech, and Wuxi Biologics, and that legislation could imperil collaboration with Chinese companies more broadly. Industry trade group Bio has warned members of Congress that the bills, quote, would immediately and negatively, unquote, affect the U.S. biotech ecosystem. The legislation, however, reflects deep concerns in Congress, including a strong belief that Chinese biotech companies pose threats to U.S. national security and competitiveness. I'm Jeff Cranmer, executive editor here at BioCentury, and joining me to discuss the pending legislation are BioCentury's longtime Washington editor, Steve Usden, and our colleague, Stephen Hansen, director of Biopharma Intelligence. Steve, there are two pending bills in Congress, one in the House and one in the Senate. Who is sponsoring these bills and what's in them? Yeah, so I, I want to start out with taking a little bit of a step back and say what they're all about, okay? So there's there's two ways, I think, of thinking about this from the Washington perspective. One is that, in principle, the activities in the U.S. of all Chinese high-tech companies, including those in the life sciences, should be heavily restricted, if not prohibited, and that U.S. companies should not contribute to the development of the industry in China. That's the view of many policymakers in Washington, elected and serving in the administration. They see the rivalry between the two countries as a zero-sum game. There's a second perspective, uh, which is that there should be an evidence-based approach to determining which companies should be permitted to operate in the U.S. And this is based on the idea that commercial competition and collaboration are in the best interest of the United States, that there may be bad actors that need to be constrained, but that it doesn't need to be a broad brush ban on companies operating in the United States from China and from other countries. That's broadly speaking, I think, the view of the biopharma industry, the CEOs who I speak with. They're not likely to persuade most members of Congress, I think. But there's a third perspective, which is based on pragmatism. Congress, and especially the Biden administration, don't want to impose policies that damage the U.S. biotech industry or put it at a competitive disadvantage. And that's what the biotech industry is telling Congress could happen if it enacts the two pending anti-China biotech bills without modification. So there's the first one, uh, the one that's farthest along in the legislative process, is S3558. It was introduced in December by Senator Gary Peters, chairman of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. Separately, Peters introduced the Safeguarding American Genetic Data Act, S3411, also in December. Neither one of them made much of a splash when they were introduced. S3411 hasn't got a single co-sponsor. The Biosecure Act was introduced in the House on January 25, and it has received a great deal of attention. Both the Biosecure Act and S3558 seek to prevent federal agencies from procuring biotech products or services from what they call a company of concern. Crucially, they also seek to bar the government from entering into or renewing contracts or giving grants or loans 
to entities that procure biotech services or equipment from companies of concern. So BGI, one of the companies identified um, as a company of concern in the legislation, told me that those bills, if they're enacted, would drive them out of the U.S. market. And I think that that's true for all of the companies that are mentioned in the, in the two bills or that could be identified as companies of concern. There is a process in both of the bills for granting temporary waivers for the federal government to do that. It's not clear whether or how they would be granted. The Biosecure Act includes findings, which are not included in S3558. These findings kind of explain why they think that the bill is necessary. They include an assertion that China, quote, seeks to dominate biotechnology as an industry of the future, quote. It mentions China's doctrine of military-civil fusion that it says, quote, merges public and private industries to enable the military modernization of the People's Liberation Army, the PLA, quote, and assertions that Chinese law requires Chinese companies to comply with requests to turn over data to the government, which the bill says makes them, again, quote, espionage tools, quote, of the Chinese Communist Party. The findings focus on BGI genomics and note that it's on the Department of Defense's list of PRC military companies. They also cite news reports that have accused BGI of collecting genetic data on millions of people outside of China. The Biosecure Act was introduced by Representative Mike Gallagher, a Republican from Wisconsin, who chairs the House Select Committee on the Communist Party of China, and Raja Krishnamurthy, a Democrat from Illinois, who is the ranking member. It has two Republican co-sponsors, including Elise Stefanik, who's closely affiliated with former President Trump. One of the Democratic co-sponsors is Jake Auchincloss, a liberal from Massachusetts. Gallagher had planned a field hearing in Boston Tuesday to build support for the bill, but had to call it off because of a false alarm about a snowstorm. I don't know, maybe there's a metaphor in that. S3558 has one Democratic co-sponsor, Mark Warner, and six Republicans. I think it's hard to discern a quick path to enactment for these bills. Their sponsors tried and failed to insert similar language in a defense spending bill in December. Peters brought up S3558 at a markup hearing on January 31st, but didn't take a vote on it because he didn't have the votes. Since then, Warner, an influential Democrat, has signed on. Uh, and Peter's spokesperson told me there will be another markup hearing and that he is determined to try to advance the bill. But the timing on that is not certain. In the House, the Select Committee doesn't have the power to send a bill to the floor, so the Biosecure bill would have to go through another committee. Congress is fairly dysfunctional now, and it's going to get even more difficult to move legislation the closer we are to the elections. On the other hand, whatever happens on these two bills, it's difficult to imagine that Congress and the White House will ignore alarms about the national security relationship with China. And sooner or later, I think there's going to be some kind of action. Hey, Steve, so do the bills have a definition for the companies of concern or do they name specific companies and limit it to those specific companies? How are they handling that? Both. Okay, so they identify specific companies, which is unusual in this kind of legislation. Usually, Congress says, here's the criteria and leaves it up to an executive agency to determine which companies meet that criteria. So it lists specific companies, and then it basically has a criteria, which is pretty broad, and it says any company that has a kind of a close relationship with the government of a country that's considered an adversary to the United States. 
Okay, so you you mentioned BGI and MGI. Who else is named? So there's BGI, there's MGI, there's Complete Genomics, which is uh, was was acquired by MGI. There's Wuxi Aptech, and there's Wuxi Biologics. Okay, and of course Wuxi Biologics spun out of Wuxi Aptech. I think around 2016 went went public. 2017. And speaking of going public, uh, Stephen, I know you've been watching the stocks for all four of these entities or were affiliates of these entities. What have you found? Yeah, sure. So understandably, so Wuxi Aptech and Wuxi Biologics have a lot more exposure to the U.S. market. So they have been hit harder on their stock share performance. So Wuxi Aptech through uh, February 14th for the year, they're off 52%. And over the same period, Wuxi Biologics is down 47% on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Whereas in contrast, um, BGI is only down about 6% and MGI is down about 14%. Um, and so just, just for a little bit of context on, on sort of that exposure I mentioned. So, you know, at their JPM presentation, Wuxi Aptech noted that about two thirds of their revenue come from US based customers. So it's a pretty sizable portion of their revenue stream. And that's not surprising, right? They, they say they work with 19 of the top 20 pharmas. That's right. Yep. Top farmers, they work with pretty much almost all of the top farmers and that top farmer revenue makes up 40% of the revenue. They've got over 6,000, you know, customers worldwide, but a lot of that, you know, comes, comes out of the US. And I should note one other kind of update on this that's also affected the stocks. There was a request, a recent request from the select committee to the Biden administration to place Wuxi Aptech and Wuxi Biologics on lists of Chinese military companies, lists that the Commerce Department maintains and um, the Treasury Department maintains. Um, the committee is asking for investigations and provided evidence that it believes justify placing the companies on these three on three sanctions lists. One is the Department of Defense's list of companies operating in the U.S. that are under the direct or indirect ownership, control, or influence of the PLA, or are subordinate to the Chinese Communist Party Central Military Commission. Right now, there's no actual legal consequence to being on that list. BGI is on that list, but there's reputational consequence. And starting in 2025, DOD won't be able to directly procure goods or services from companies on the list. There's the Treasury Department's Chinese military industrial complex list. Being on that list makes it impossible for a company to be listed on a U.S. exchange, precludes Americans from engaging in certain financial or securities transactions with listed companies. It doesn't affect procurement from the companies. And there's the Commerce Department's entity list. It's a list of companies that engage in activities that are deemed to be contrary to U.S. national security or foreign policy. Being placed on that list would block supply of certain equipment to companies um, and would have other consequences. I think it would be a major blow to any company that's on that list. I think, you know, the Biden administration has been circumspect about using those kinds of sanctions, and it hasn't indicated that it had an intent to place any of the companies that are listed in the legislation on those, those lists right now. Steve, what are the specific allegations against these four companies, and, and what have the companies said in response? So um, there are specific allegations, and then I think that there's broader concerns, right? So the allegations against BGI are related to the collection of genetic data, that it collects data on individuals around the world, allegations that companies been involved in data collection that supports surveillance of ethnic minorities in China, and that it has links to the Chinese military. 
the National Security Commission on Emerging Biotechnology, an advisory group created by Congress, wrote in a letter to the Select Committee that BGI is emblematic of the Chinese Communist Party's military-civil fusion that blurs the lines between China's commercial sector and its military, and that this policy gives the Chinese Communist Party the ability to direct commercial resources to advance their security and economic interests. And the letter cites BGI's mass collection of genomic data, or what it says it is. The allegations about MGI and complete genomics also involve the collection of personal genetic data. But there are also allegations that Chinese sequencing providers and equipment manufacturers have unfairly benefited from Chinese government support. The companies deny all of the claims. They deny the allegations that they're collecting genomic data inappropriately, that they're sending it to China, or that there's anything untoward about their connections with the Chinese government. The allegations against Wuxi Aptek and Wuxi Biologics are less specific. Basically, they're accused of having close ties to the Chinese government, military, and Communist Party. And because of these ties, they're believed to be untrustworthy. They're also kind of been kind of a guilt by association that they're involved in certain government-funded programs in China, that other entities that are involved in those programs have done things that um, may violate U.S. laws. Their critics say, basically, that these companies are subject to control by the state, and therefore they are or could be involved um, in the theft of intellectual property or of other kinds of things. The companies say the allegations about their connections to the party, military, and government are incorrect or exaggerated. They emphasize that they have strong IP protections. And, you know, I spoke with the um, COO for uh, Wuxi Aptek in the U.S. and Europe, and he was really adamant about this and said, look, you know, that they, they're working, as you mentioned before, with 19 of, of um, the 20 largest pharma companies with thousands of other companies in the United States and Europe, and that all of these companies have done their due diligence and believe that um, Wuxi Aptek is honoring IP. In addition to specifics, there's a, there's a bigger picture, really. The sponsors of both the Biosecure Act and S3558 believe that the Chinese government and Communist Party have a goal of dominating key technologies, including biotech, and they basically think that the United States government should take actions that prevent the Chinese government or the Chinese companies from achieving dominant positions or from having key positions in the supply chain that would allow them to choke off American companies. The Chinese companies, of course, have very different perspectives. They say they're independent companies, that they zealously protect intellectual property. They deny that they send genetic information to China or that they closely allied with the Chinese military. One final thing, I haven't heard any of the Chinese companies point this out, but of course, U.S. biotech and pharma companies themselves are closely aligned with the U.S. military. The military played a major role in Operation Warp Speed. DARPA made possible some of the basic and applied science that led, for example, to the monoclonal antibody treatments for COVID. The Pentagon's a major funder of research on breast cancer and prostate cancer. It funds synthetic biology research and manufacturing. So, you know, there, there are different ways to, to look at that. Exactly, Steve. Uh, that's, a, that's a great point about what's happening on the U.S. side with the military here in the United States. I just want to read Wuxi Aptek's latest statement to us. Uh, you know, it's rather emphatic. We, we strongly object to misleading allegations, inaccurate assertions, and preemptive actions against our company, 
without due process. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back to discuss the broader geopolitical context, as well as the response of U.S. biotech companies and trade associations. This March, BioCentury, Bay Helix, and Insights partner, McKinsey & Company, bring the third East-West Biopharma Summit to Singapore, the gateway to Asia. At the summit, you will get a first-hand look at how the smart money pouring into Singapore plans to scale up the emerging life sciences ecosystem. You will also meet the key players from Asia's innovation arc, from India through Southeast Asia to China, Korea, and Japan. If you are a biopharma executive looking for partners or investors, or a life sciences investor looking for portfolio companies or limited partners, now is the time to meet Asia leaders face-to-face in Singapore. Register today at biocentryeastwest.com. We are back on the BioCentury This Week podcast, talking about anti-China biotech legislation that is making its way through Capitol Hill. So Steve, one question I was curious to get your perspective on was about, is there a risk that this sets a precedent for the Chinese government to retaliate in terms of banning or restricting U.S. companies being able to access the Chinese market? You know, I can't really speak for what the Chinese government might do, but if you look at it from the point of view of members of Congress who are proposing this legislation, who are pushing it, they believe that U.S. companies aren't allowed to operate in China on a level playing field. They believe that there's already an asymmetry and that they are rectifying that or that they're putting things in balance. The two members of Congress who run the select committee, Mike Gallagher, a Republican, and Roger Christomurdy, a Democrat, are really closely aligned on this. And I think that they represent the mainstream of views in Congress on these, these topics. And they, they're hearing from China experts in the United States, especially from the intelligence community, who are reinforcing their views. So, for example, Matt Pottinger, a former National Security Council staffer, told Congress recently that, um, quote, corporate independence in today's China is a facade that tries to hide the Chinese party states pervasive influence over all entities. And that's really the view that the committee has. They're not as concerned about promoting American companies' access to Chinese markets as, from their perspective, preventing Chinese companies from taking advantage of American markets. That's the big picture. And I think that the real question is whether the views of companies and and individuals in the United States who believe that competition and engagement in the life sciences is fundamentally different than it is in other economic sectors, and that there's a need to take a different approach here, whether that prevails or not. I think that's kind of like the the big picture. How has bio and pharma responded to this situation? So bio sent a a letter um, to congressional leaders. I reported about it in which they said that the legislation as drafted would have dire consequences for companies in the United States. They didn't specify exactly what they meant, but reading through the lines, it it looked to me like their main concerns were about what would happen if the CDMOs, the Wuxi Aptech and Wuxi Biologics, were abruptly forced out of the U.S. market. There's a concern that there are a lot of development projects that are underway that would be very adversely affected. There's also a concern that that would 
put U.S. companies at a competitive disadvantage to companies um, elsewhere. I think that, that that kind of brings up another aspect of this whole debate, which is that Congress is also, I think, going to look later this year, and they're certainly being urged to do so, to look at steps that they can that Congress can take to bolster the American biotech sector and what's been called the bioeconomy. And that's quite separate from things that they might do in terms of constraining the activities of Chinese companies in the United States. What's been what's been the response of individual CEOs, Steve? What what have the biotech CEOs been saying? Well, most of them are lying low, you know, with the political climate the way that it is in Washington right now. I don't think anybody wants to be putting their head above above the parapet and saying, you know, that they want to defend the interests of any companies outside of the United States. But a lot of them have spoken to me. Some of them have spoken to me on the record saying that they have viewed some of the Chinese companies operating in the United States as not only reliable, but essential partners to them. In particular, I spoke with the CEO Amicus, Bradley Campbell, and he talked to me, and, and I've written about this in other stories, about the role that Wuxi Biologics played in helping them to develop and manufacture their therapy that was recently approved for uh, Pompe disease. Um, basically said at the time that they contracted with Wuxi Biologics to do that, Amicus didn't have the capability to manufacture that themselves. And he said he wasn't confident that there were actually alternatives, that there were other companies besides Wuxi Biologics that could have done it. So he really talked about Wuxi Biologics as, um, as an enabler of a smaller biotech company to be able to succeed. There are other, other people who, uh, VCs, I spoke with a very prominent VC just yesterday who told me that, again, that these companies are essential for the companies that he funds for them to be successful. Yeah, I mean, as Stephen said earlier, you know, Wuxi Aptech works with 6,000 U.S. biotechs or something like that. And I know just from, you know, following what individual companies we cover do, it, it's got to be really hard for U.S. biotechs, global pharmas to disentangle their clinical development from Wuxi Aptech, Wuxi Biologics. I, I would have to imagine it would be a nightmare. Yeah, I, I think that that's the case. And I think that one of the things that the Commission on Biosecurity is going to recommend to Congress is taking steps to help support the development of those kind of capabilities among American companies. So there's more availability of the kinds of resources and the kinds of capabilities that, that Wuxi Aptech and Wuxi Biologics are providing the United States going forward. So Steve, so where do you see this uh, policy perspective going next? Like what's the next frontier for this? So the select committee and think tanks and other members of Congress have already pointed to what I think is gonna be the next area of contention which is around finance. They put out reports talking about the financial ties between companies operating in the US and China and ties between US investors that are funding activities in China. I think they're going to call for tighter restrictions on both outbound and inbound investments. I, I don't have a, a clear picture as to whether they're likely to succeed in that. The Biden administration recently announced uh, new restrictions on outbound investments, and it did not include 
biotech. It didn't include the life sciences. So I'm not going to get any conclusion about where this is going, but I think that the next area that's going to get a lot of attention is going to be around finance. Steve, what's next? What's the next shoe to drop here? And where do you see this going? I'm not sure exactly what the next shoe is. It, it may be a markup for S3558. It may be a hearing in another committee outside of this select committee. The select committee is likely to reschedule the hearing that they postponed in Boston. I think that's probably going to happen next month. Bigger picture, what's going to happen? I don't know if this legislation, these two bills are going to pass. If they do, I don't know how they're going to be modified. My guess is that they would be modified before they would be enacted if they are. But, but here's what I would say is that long-term, Congress or the administration, this administration or future administration, is going to take some kind of action in this space. The alarm bells are ringing too loudly from the American national security establishment for them to ignore them. So I think something is going to happen. It's not possible, I think, to accurately predict what that something is going to be and which companies might get ensnared in it. But I think that there's going to be a combination of considerations. There's going to be considerations of the bigger geopolitical tensions. I think that's what's driving this whole thing, honestly. There's going to be issues of concerns about what needs to be done to preserve American preeminence in the life sciences. And there's going to be pragmatic concerns about not disrupting existing programs or putting U.S. companies at a competitive disadvantage going forward. So I think all those considerations are going to be put into play, um, add on top of that a big wallop of politics, especially this year, election politics. It's a little bit difficult to predict what's going to happen. But again, I think something at some point is going to happen. All right. Thank you for that, Steve and Stephen. BioCentury Washington editor Steve Usden's extensive ongoing coverage of the anti-biotech legislation can be found on BioCentury.com. Kendall Square Orchestra provides the music for BioCentury this week. The group connects science and technology professionals and other members of the greater Boston community to collaborate, innovate, and inspire through music while supporting causes related to healthcare and education.